Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you have a chance to spend part of your busy afternoon with me. On Business Buzz, I try to keep you informed of, well, I'm a CPA. A lot of my work has to do this time of year, especially with income taxes. I try to keep you informed about your taxes, things to look out for, things that are exciting with the new tax law, things that keep my day interesting. I do a lot of paperwork, but it's always interesting to be able to research and learn new things. And with the new law, there's all kinds of new things that are us tax preparers have all been learning. It's been pretty fun. I'm looking forward to being able to show people this tax season that they've saved some money. They've actually lowered their tax liability, which is what it's all about. It means you keep more. The campfire has caused so much of a trouble for a lot of people. I am hosting a seminar. It is January 23rd, Wednesday. I will be emailing all of my friends and clients on email uh, real soon in the next day or two, as soon as I get all the details worked out in my email. It's going to be 6 p.m. at Unwind Kitchen and Bar, which is on Mangrove Avenue. It's where the old Blockbuster video used to be. It's $49 per person, but the proceeds go to the Campfire Victims Charity. And I'm also going to be advertising on Facebook. If you have any questions about it or if you'd like to attend, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of, uh, not only do we have good food, but we're going to have a lot of good education for the tax ramifications of any what they call an involuntary conversion, which is what happens when a fire consumes your property. It's like a sale that you didn't ask for. That's kind of the way it works. So make a note of that. Wednesday, January 23rd, 6 p.m. at Unwind. There'll be tickets available at the door also, but I will be doing some Facebook advertising, and I'll give you some more details on that next week. It might be something you're interested in, plus you get a really delicious dinner and uh, the proceeds go to charity. Can't It's a, it's a win-win situation, even though it started as uh, the worst, worst, disaster, worst disaster in California history. I guess the worst fire disaster in California history. I'm sure there was more deaths in the earthquake in San Francisco in 1906. I believe they down, if I remember right, I believe they downplayed the number of deaths trying to make sure people didn't get scared to live in San Francisco afterwards. I remember seeing an article from an old newspaper and I think it said 490 people perished. I find it hard to believe that with that many buildings leveled that there was less than 500 deaths. I would have to look that up again and make sure of those numbers that I've read. But in my opinion, they usually downplay things like that to make it seem not as bad as it was, but I really don't know. So today, other than my New Year's show, this is this is an early January. It's the start of the tax season, even though the tax season for me really gets rolling on February 1st because that's when the appointments get heavy at my place because of everybody knows that their information comes at the end of January. So not everybody wants to come see me in January because they don't have everything yet. This being the first show of the new year since the New Year's show, I just sort of wanted to revisit a couple of my favorite stories and, of course, give you some feel-good news toward the end of the show. But I wanted to start out with a story of one of my favorite stories, and I'm actually reading, I'm reading from an article that was actually uh, printed, well, it wasn't printed, it's an internet article. It's dated May 14th, 2018. The website is called truthdig.com. And if you've been listening to Business Buzz, you'll be somewhat familiar with this story, but it's still one of my favorites, and it points out all the things that I've been telling everyone about being careful with their money and making sure their money is insured. And the name of this article is 
The Pentagon can't account for $21 trillion. That's not a typo. So I'm just going to read some of this article, and then we'll talk about this a little bit. This is just to remind you how the world is being run with monopoly money is what I'm trying to tell you. $21 trillion. The Pentagon's own numbers show that it can't account for $21 trillion. Yes, I mean trillion with a T, and this could change everything. Now, I do want to go on now. I want to interject here. This $21 trillion actually comes from the Pentagon plus the housing and urban development. This article sort of lumps it in as if it's all Pentagon, but I believe that this whole story that I've talked about before, it's actually Pentagon, well, Department of Defense, plus housing and urban development. So it's DOD and HUD. But I'm going to continue. The Pentagon's own numbers show that it can't account for $21 trillion. Yes, I mean trillion with a T, and this could change everything. But I'll get back to that in a moment. There are certain things the human mind is not meant to do. Our complex brains cannot view the world in infrared and cannot really grasp numbers over a few thousand. A few thousand we can feel and conceptualize. We've all been in stadiums with several thousand people. We have an idea of what that looks like. But when we get into the millions, we lose it. It becomes a fog of nonsense. Visualizing it feels like trying to hug a memory. We may know what $1 million can buy, and we may want that thing, but you probably don't know how tall a stack of a million-dollar bills is. You probably don't know how long it takes a minimum wage employee to make $1 million. That's why trying to understand, to truly understand that the government spent $21 trillion unaccounted for dollars between 1998 and 2015 washes over us like your mother telling you that your third cousin you met twice is getting divorced. It seems vaguely upsetting, but you forget about it in about 15 seconds because what else is there to do? $21 trillion. But let's get back to the beginning. A couple of years ago, Mark Skidmore, an economics professor, heard Catherine Austin Fitz, former assistant secretary in the Department of Urban, I'm sorry, Department of Housing and Urban Development, that's HUD, say that the Department of Defense Office of Inspector General had found $6.5 trillion worth of unaccounted for spending in 2015. Skidmore, being an economics professor, thought something like she means $6.5 billion, not trillion, because trillion would mean the Pentagon couldn't account for more money than the gross domestic product of the whole United Kingdom. But still, $6.5 billion of unaccounted for money is a crazy amount. So he went and looked at the Inspector General's report, and he found something interesting. It was trillion. It was $6.5 trillion in 2015 of unaccounted for spending. And I'm sorry for the cursing while I left out some of this author's words. He's trying to be a bit humorous. But the word trillion is legally obligated to be prefaced with, and then he uses a word I won't say on the air. It is indeed way more than the United Kingdom's gross domestic product. Skidmore did a little more digging. As Forbes reported in December 2017, he and Catherine Austin Fitz conducted a search of government websites and found similar reports dating back to 1998. While the documents are incomplete, Original government sources indicate $21 trillion in unsupported adjustments have been reported for the Department of Defense and the Department of HUD for the years 1998 to 2015. Let's stop and take a second to conceive how much $21 trillion is, which you can't because our brain's short-circuit, but we'll try anyway. Number one, the amount of money supposedly in the stock market is $30 trillion. The GDP of the United States is $18.6 trillion. Picture of stack of money. Now imagine that a stack of dollars is all $1,000 bills. Each bill says $1,000 on it. How high do you imagine that stack of dollars would be if it were $1 trillion? It would be 63 miles high. 
I'm going to interject here because I've said this before on Business Buzz. $21 trillion would be about 1,300 miles long or high of $1,000 bills stacked tightly together. I looked that up on a map quest, and it turned out that was approximately driving from Chico to El Paso, Texas. The entire drive driving by $1,000 bills stacked tightly. That's the $21 trillion. Imagine you make, uh, here's number four in this article from Truth Dig. Imagine you make $40,000 a year. How long, will it, how long would it take you to make $1 trillion? Well, don't sign up for this task because it would take you 25 million years, which sounds like a long time, but I hear the last 10 million really fly by because you already know your way around the office, where the coffee machine is, etc. The human brain is not meant to think about a trillion dollars. And it's definitely not meant to think about the $21 trillion our Department of Defense can't account for. These numbers sound bananas. They sound like something Alex Jones found tattooed on his backside by extraterrestrials. But the $21 trillion number comes from the Department of Defense Office of Inspector General, the OIG. Although, as Forbes pointed out, After Mark Skidmore began inquiring about OIG-reported unsubstantiated adjustments, the OIG's webpage, which documented, albeit in a highly incomplete manner, these unsupported accounting adjustments, it was mysteriously taken down. Luckily, people had already grabbed copies of the report. And then those are on the Internet, according to this article. Here's something else important from that Forbes article which is one of the only mainstream media articles you can find on the largest theft in American history. Given that the entire Army budget in fiscal year 15 was $120 billion, unsupported adjustments were 54 times the level of spending authorized by Congress. That's right, the expenses with no explanation were 54 times the actual budget allotted by Congress. Well, it's good to see Congress is doing one-fifty-fourth of its job overseeing military spending. That's actually more than I thought Congress was doing. This would seem to mean that 98% of every dollar spent by the Army was unconstitutional in, 19, in 2015. So, pray tell, what did the OIG, the Office of Inspector General, say caused all this unaccounted for spending that makes Jeff Bezos' net worth look like that of a guy jingling a tin can on the street corner? The July 16 Inspector General report indicates that unsupported adjustments are the result of the Defense Department's, quote, failure to correct system deficiencies. They blame trillions of dollars of mysterious spending on a failure to correct system deficiencies? Wow. 21 trillion. Say it slowly to yourself. At the end of the day, there are no justifiable explanations for this amount of unaccounted for unconstitutional spending. Right now, the Pentagon is being audited for the first time ever, and it's taking 2,400 auditors to do it. I'm not holding my breath that they'll actually be allowed to get to the bottom of this. But if the American people truly understood this number, it would change both the country and the world. It means that the dollar is sprinting down a path toward worthlessness. If the Pentagon is hiding spending that dwarfs the amount of tax dollars coming into the federal government, then it's clear the government is printing however much it wants and thinking there are no consequences. Once these trillions are considered, our fiat currency has even less meaning than it already does, and it's only a matter of time before inflation runs wild. So that was my little summary of one of my favorite stories of the year. I have a caller on the line. I'm going to try to get to that call right now if I can. So let me see if I can get over to that. Hello, caller. Okay. I'll work on that for after the break. Harold? Yeah, there you are. Is this Jim? Hey, Harold. Hi. It's Jim, yeah. How hey, you Jim. Doing? How you doing? Great, great. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to you, too. Well, yeah, that's that's quite a story. I just wonder if you believe it or not. I mean, can we believe it? There's so much fake news, and there's so much peop- so many people who are are just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what'll stick. I don't know if I believe that. Well, you know, I have been reading about this for a year or two now, and the fact that it was 
it actually was detailed by uh, Michigan State uh, economics professor who had, you know, grad students doing their research, actually studying these reports. And like that article I had read, just just read it said, those reports did get taken down from the Internet, but not before people were able to back them up. Uh, you know, Jim, you know me. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe I, <laughs> I believe it as much as I know as I believe any other news report. But in this case, I kind of kind of believe it because one of the things I always wonder about is the way these stock market things go. And like I said before, at the end of the day, can you hold on, Jim? We're going to be back in just a little bit. No, I can't. I got to go. Harold. Okay, but thanks anyway, for thanks for calling. You. I'll I'll talk to you later. Thanks for calling. I'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. Here's Rick Box, founder of Unconventional Business Network, with today's Integrity Moment. While coaching a young entrepreneur, I was reminded of several common mistakes made by new business owners. The second mistake I see frequently is inadequate bookkeeping. For many business owners, bookkeeping and administration is a bother. New business owners often intermingle personal and business monies in the same checking account. Some rarely keep track of their income and expenses, and often they don't want to spend money on a bookkeeper. Inadequate record keeping is a recipe for disaster. Without adequate records, one never really knows if they are making money, how much is owed for taxes, and when trouble might surface. Proverbs 27.23 teaches, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Paying a knowledgeable bookkeeper is necessary and well worth the expense. To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org. Hello, this is Samantha Landy. And I bring you Psalms of Hope, heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord. Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I appreciate the fact that you're able to spend part of your afternoon listening to me. I try to keep you informed. I try to keep you entertained. I try to, well, I guess I'm just trying to expand your mind a little bit. There's a famous quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes, a mind expanded to a bigger idea never returns to its original size. I think once you start thinking about these things, it sort of it sort of never goes back to being the way it was before that's just the way i feel about it and i thank jim for giving a call today that's jim mccall he's a uh, he's a friend of mine and a real talented contractor who i'm sure is busier than heck and he's probably going to get super busy i was just talking to someone who had lost a home with some outbuildings in the fire a bunch of this person's relatives lost a bunch of buildings in the campfire and they have all this money from the insurance company and the word from them is they're all looking forward to going up and rebuilding as soon as they're able to. That's good news. I keep hoping that Paradise and Megalia and Concow and all those places where they had damage, I'm hoping that we get it all re-going maybe, maybe with a few less trees to make it less dangerous. Not sure. By the way, if you'd like to call and say something on Business Buzz, have a question for me or a comment, the number here is 894-7325. I'd love to hear from you. When it's not on the airtime, I'd love to hear from you at my number, which is 895-3353. That's my office. I can help you with, if you're a campfire victim, if you're whatever you have going on tax-wise, like I always like to say, there's a lot of good tax preparers in Chico. I feel like I'm one of them. 
and I'm always available for a free initial consultation. My number is 895-3353. Feel free to call me and I'll help you out. So the local business scene, I believe all the hotels are completely full. I've talked to quite a few of the campfire victims and some of them have had to go as far away as Sacramento because there's just no rooms available nearby still. But I would say business is probably doing well in Chico due to the fact that there's a lot of uh, extra population that didn't plan on being right here, but they, they are. A lot of people have said, you know what, the prices have gone up on homes in Chico too much and I'm looking elsewhere. So I'm not sure Chico's going to benefit fully in the long run on this. I think a lot of people are not going to bite on these higher home prices. I see the local current problem as being that with fire victims having quite a bit of extra cash in their insurance settlements, they're able to go ahead and buy a house even though they know it's a little higher than they would have liked to have spent. We'll just keep talking about this on Business Buzz as time goes by. Hopefully, Butte County will come back stronger than ever. Hopefully, Paradise will be rebuilt. I'm looking forward to talking to all my Paradise clients during this upcoming tax season, and I'm going to find out what the pulse is on everybody's ideas, whether they want to stay, go, find a place in Chico, look somewhere else. It's going to be interesting to see what's really going on. Now, my next article here in January of 2019 is just a bit of a review for you because I'm trying to always educate you. I found a real good article that I've printed out so I can read some for you today. The name of it is called An Idiot's Guide to the Federal Reserve Scam by Quentin Figueroa. And it's a real good article because it's got a lot of different ideas in it. It's not all meat and potatoes. It's more like a lot of visuals. So it's a good one to look up online. If you can go to truthcontrol.com, I would say if you Google search truthcontrol.com and then type in Federal Reserve Guide, you'll, you'll find this. But it's a real interesting visuals to look at online. But I went ahead and printed it because I wanted to share. This is another major story in my opinion. It's a story that's over 100 years old. It's a story that's caused our dollar to lose 97% of its value versus physical things over the last 105 years. And I think it's really good that you become educated on what is really going on with our, uh, our money system. So this article says, what is the Federal Reserve? The Federal Reserve, or Fed, is a privately owned central bank that controls the money supply of the United States. All the dollars we have in existence today were created by the Federal Reserve. In fact, if you look at any piece of currency, you will see it says Federal Reserve note on it. Now, I've pointed out before that all the notes you see now are called Federal Reserve notes. Some of the older ones from the 1950s and early 60s said Silver Certificate, and they also say on them, redeemable in silver, on demand. I've mentioned before that there was a day, I believe it was 1972, the U.S. Mint announced that that was the last day for you to go take your silver certificates and get an actual little vial of, of an ounce of silver. I remember my dad going over to San Francisco one of those last few days and taking a few silver certificates and bringing back some silver in little uh, like pill bottles. And it was like granulated silver worth like an ounce apiece. That was the end of an era. They will not trade in your paper money for silver anymore because the new ones do not say redeemable, payable in silver. They don't say that because they aren't. You might not know it, but the Fed, and then this article gives some good lists, is privately owned. The Fed is a for-profit business that is owned by European and American banking families. These families loan money to the United States and make money off of the interest. And he shows a nice little picture of Queen Elizabeth for your viewing pleasure if you look this up online. Always a pleasure to see her. <clears throat> 
You might not know it, but the Fed is publicly subsidized. The Fed encourages banks to take huge risks because they know that any losses they might incur are picked up by the American taxpayer. You might not know it, but the Fed makes money through the IRS. When we send money to the IRS, they take that money and turn it over to the Treasury, who in turn pays interest on bonds to the Fed. Short story, our taxes are paid to the Fed. You might not know it, but the Fed makes people poorer. Through inflation, the Fed makes people poorer and makes the owners richer. Because of the Fed, common items like food and gas become more expensive. Now, I'll interject here. I just got through saying you've lost 90% of your purchasing power. One of the things that I always remind myself of an interesting way to think about inflation and to gauge it, I was a kid when Motel 6 came around because I had an uncle. I mean, this, this guy was so tight, he squeaked when he walked. He would brag, and he had plenty of money, a nice house, plenty of money, golfed every day. But he would brag about the pants that he would find at yard sales and garage sales. And one day he even bragged so much that he showed us the, pulled out the pocket of the pants he had bought at a yard sale. And he showed us the scotch tape that was taping up the hole in the bottom of the pocket. And he was actually proud of that. That's how tight he was. But what I remember about that is that we used to visit him. He lived in Reno and we came from the East Bay. And it was in the 60s, I believe, when I was a kid, that Motel 6 came in. And I don't know if any of the younger people in the audience know, do you know that Motel 6 used to be $6 per night? That's where the number came from. Then later they had that competitor named Super 8. Do you know where that came from? You got it, $8 a night. Well, here's the problem. I noticed there's a Motel 6 that I do drive by in Orville now and then. And I saw the other day that it was $65 a night. So what did that tell me? That told me in about the last 50 or so years, the dollar has declined by 11 times. A room that used to cost $6 now costs almost $66. That is what inflation does to your dollars. That's another reason why you need to think about it this way. If you've got $100,000 in your savings account and the bank is only paying you half a percent in interest, you're only making $500 a year in interest. But if inflation is running at least 3 or 4%, probably 10%, you're losing the purchasing power with your 100000 and they are not reimbursing you by paying you interest. That's what's so wrong right now with the system. We're coming up on the bottom of the hour break. Thanks for tuning in to Business Buzz. Stay tuned to Harold Littlejohn CPA. I'll be right back. Praise the Lord. I'm Sharon Knotts inviting you to join me and my dad, R.G. Hardy, on the Sound of Faith mornings at 10 here on KKXX. If you are drawn to inspirational preaching, informative in-depth teaching, and biblical perspectives to current issues under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then Sound of Faith is perfect for you. Because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 10 o'clock weekday mornings here on KKXX, Chico's Christian Radio. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Scott Allred. I'm Ben Taney. And I'm Matt Four. This is Jessica Wilkerson, one of your hosts of Chico Now. A half hour designed for the community and brought to you by the community. Each day, one of our hosts will join with people from organizations throughout the greater Chico area. We want to let you know what's happening in Chico Now. So join us at 1230 Monday through Friday here on KKXX for Chico Now. One nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Fellow Americans united, we can grow strong to protect the blessings of liberty for ourselves, our children, grandchildren, and their children. Let us read and understand the life, freedom, and property-protecting principles of the Constitution and embrace the godly wisdom our founding fathers instilled in our one nation under God. 
America, bless God. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I appreciate the fact that you've spent part of your afternoon with me. I hope you're having a good afternoon. It's January, it's winter time, and another year is upon us. So I'm going to go back to this because I believe this is valuable information. It's the Idiot's Guide to the Federal Reserve Scam, and... I'm going to continue here. You might not know it, but the Fed lends money out of thin air. The Fed doesn't just print money out of thin air. It loans it out of thin air. All the money we currently have in circulation is a loan from the Fed to you with interest. You might not know it, but the Fed indebts us in the future. The Fed spends wealth that we have now and then flips us the bill years into the future. By doing this, we are making us poorer and poorer in the future. You might not know it, but the Fed operates in secrecy. The Fed has no government oversight and operates behind closed doors. The Federal Reserve has never been audited. You may not know it, but the Fed gives money to banks for free. Banks are legally able to lend money that they don't have. The Fed allows banks to create loans for people with money that banks don't have. You may not know it, but the Fed creates booms and busts. By controlling the interest rates and the money supply, the Fed is able to create booms and busts in the economy. Why do we have it? I'm still reading from that same article. There are two answers as to why we have the Fed. There is the general mainstream answer, then there is the hidden real answer. So I'm just going to read a few of these. He's got a big list. He's got the cover story and the real story. Okay, the cover story. To stabilize the economy. We are told that the Fed helps to stabilize the economy. We are told that we need the Fed to do the tricky task of determining interest rates and the money supply. If it wasn't for the Fed, the overall economy wouldn't operate at maximum efficiency and the free market would run rampant. The real story, to destabilize the economy. In reality, the Fed was created to and continues to destabilize the economy. Why would the owners and controllers of the Fed want to do this? Because the goal is to bring control of the United States into the hands of the bankers behind the Fed. The U.S., with its roots in freedom and free markets, is a very hard nation to control. Taking over financial control of a nation is one of the best ways to control a nation. This has been done time and time again in many other nations. The cover story, to control interest rates and credit. We are told that the Fed is needed to manage the complex and necessary task of controlling interest rates and managing credit. By having the Fed control interest rates, we are able to avoid the boom and bust cycles that are a natural occurrence of unmanaged markets. If it wasn't for the Fed, we would probably be in a recession right now. The real story, to keep real interest rates and credit from being achieved. In reality, the Fed controls interest rates and credit to artificially create booms and busts. By creating artificial booms, the Fed is able to loan trillions of dollars to the United States and the people. By creating artificial busts, The Fed is able to buy up many assets such as businesses and real estate through the federal government. The cover story, to eliminate the business cycle. We are told the Fed helps to eliminate the business cycle by carefully managing the money supply and ensuring that all the necessary markets 
are balanced and working correctly. After all, having a business cycle is a bad thing because anything that naturally occurs in business is a bad thing and natural things should be turned into unnatural things by the Fed. The real story, to create the business cycle. In reality, the Fed creates the business cycle and keeps markets from reaching equilibrium. There is no such thing as a business cycle in a market. The market decides what is needed and what isn't needed. It's possible for the Fed to centrally manage a business cycle. All they can is take whatever balance the free market already has and distort it further. The cover story, to eliminate bank runs. We are told the Fed helps to eliminate bank runs. If it wasn't for the Fed doing their advanced economic stuff and their complex mathematical theories, we would have bank runs left and right. Banks are out to get us, and if we don't have the Fed, we better watch out. The real story, to create bank runs. The problem is that the major bank runs we have had historically are because of Fed manipulation. The bank runs of the crash of 1929 were a direct result of Fed manipulation in the markets. If it wasn't for the Fed, there would never have been a crash to begin with, and there would never have been bank runs as a result of the crash. The cover story to control inflation. We are told that the Fed carefully helps to monitor inflation. We are told that a small amount of inflation is good each year. We want to have inflation so that we can keep the people spending and the economy going. The Fed monitors closely the amount of inflation and knows which rates to use in order to keep inflation going at a steady rate. These people are so smart. The real story, to create inflation. In reality, the Fed has to create more and more inflation because our money is debt, and the interest on our debt-based money can only be paid off with more debt-based money. And so more and more money has to continue being loaned out, and as a result, more and more inflation is the inevitable outcome. A main goal of the Fed is to extricate our wealth through inflation. So then he goes on with a stabilized banking and destabilized banking, create employment and to create unemployment. So I won't bother you too much with the rest of this in detail, but there's a history and a timeline, which is pretty interesting. I want to go over a little bit of that. There's a quote from Meyer Amschel Rothschild, which I believe is the original founder of the Rothschild uh, banking family in Germany. He says, give me control of a nation's money and I care not who makes her laws. So in 1694, Bank of England established. The Bank of England was one of the first central banks and served as a model for how the Federal Reserve would operate. Throughout the history of America, the same families who controlled Britain through the Bank of England worked to control America the exact same way. 1757, colonial scrip issued in colonies. One of the earlier currencies issued in the colonies was the debt-free colonial scrip. During the issuance of this currency, no taxes were necessary, and the economy ran relatively smoothly. That was 1757. Then we have 1764, British Currency Act forbids American colonies from issuing currency. After seeing the success of the colonial script, Britain decided to issue the Currency Act in 1764, which forbid the colonies from issuing their own money. Seven, oh, before that was 1763, Rothschild Banking Dynasty established. Meyer Amschel Rothschild establishes one of the largest banking dynasties ever. The Rothschilds went on to become the prominent banking family of the 19th century. It has been said that the wealth of Rothschild consists of the bankruptcy of nations. Hmm. 1775 to 1783, American Revolution. One of the main causes leading up to the American Revolution, contrary to popular belief, was the control Britain had over the money supply of the colonies. America is founded by protesting control over the money by foreign hands. 1791 to 1811, Hamilton convinces Washington on the first bank of the United States. Washington, not being the best economist, was persuaded by Hamilton to issue the first central bank in the United States. Almost immediately after the creation of the U.S., international bankers were already working their way in. 1811. The Bank of the United States charter runs out. After 20 years, the first bank of the U.S. charter runs out, and it comes to an end. 
1812. The War of 1812 was primarily fought because the U.S. failed to renew the charter for the First Bank of the United States. Five Rothschild sons spread out across Europe. Each of the five sons spread out to establish banks in the following European cities, London, Paris, Vienna, Naples, and Frankfurt. And that would be England, France, Austria, Italy, and Germany. 1815, Nathan Rothschild takes over financial control of Britain. After the Battle of Waterloo, Nathan Rothschild was able to buy up a large portion of the Bank of England and establish the Rothschild family as major players. 1816, Second Bank of U.S. established. Five years after the first one, the Second Bank was started once again, Second Bank of the U.S. 1832 to 1835, Biddle versus Jackson on the bank. Now, this is talking about Andrew Jackson. Towards the end of the Second Bank of the U.S. charter, the powerful banker Nicholas Biddle uses every financial trick in his book to keep Andrew Jackson from putting an end to the bank. Eventually, Andrew Jackson comes out victorious and is able to put an end to the Second National Bank of the U.S. 1835, national debt paid off. Shortly after Jackson stops the Second National Bank, the U.S. National Debt is paid off for the first and only time in its history. I wanted to mention, oh, and then 1835, also an assassination is attempted on Andrew Jackson. It's fairly obvious to understand why. I wanted to make a mention of that. What's interesting, and we'll see whether it plays out at all or not, President Trump has a picture of Andrew Jackson in the Oval Office instead of Washington, I believe. That's what I've heard. I haven't seen it, but... According to what I've heard, he took took down a picture of Washington or Lincoln. You know, there's plenty of those in the White House, I know. And he put up a picture of Andrew Jackson. I'll see what plays out of that for the next year or so. It could be a slight reference to his arguing and trying to slow down and trying to bicker with the Fed and trying to stop them from doing the things that they like to do. I'm not really sure. That is sort of a conspiracy theory. Anyway, you should really check out this article. It's very, very educational. It's fun to read. It's called An Idiot's Guide to the Federal Reserve Scam, and you can find it at truthcontrol.com. And, I mean, I've read these things now. I'm going on 30 years of reading this kind of stuff. I was a conspiracy nut before the Internet, so I've been reading this since the 80s. It wasn't easy to find these kind of articles in the 80s, but I found them and I subscribed to them. Nowadays, of course, you can find them everywhere, and of course they all get poo-pooed as being fake news, but everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But if you do read the facts about the Federal Reserve, you can't deny facts. We're coming up on that last break. I've got some good news and feel-good stuff coming up for you on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickus. After being banned for two years, a city in western Washington state got its nativity scene back. With help from Pacific Justice Institute's Washington State Staff Attorney, Jorge Ramos, Gig Harbor has its nativity scene back on public property. PGI provided the city with the legal backing it needed to restore its Christmas tree. Legal precedent, folks, shows that religious exhibits are permitted on public property, as is other cultural and religious scenes. If your town has a similar situation, contact Pacific Justice Institute and download our free resource, Christmas Q&A from PJI.org. The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard, where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. 
Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you were able to spend part of your afternoon with me. Uh, Hopefully you're having a nice, enjoyable, relaxing winter afternoon in Chico. I like to reserve this last portion of the show to kind of settle down and mellow out and go home feeling good. I'm going to read part of my favorite book. It's called A Course in Miracles. I'm on chapter 30 right now. I mean, I'm not, I've been through this thing numerous times, but today I'm looking at chapter 30. The name of chapter 30 is The New Beginning. And I'm going to read a part called, uh, it's section four, The Truth Behind Illusions. I'm going to preface it a little bit where if you ever get involved by reading the course or studying it at all, you have to remember that there's the main focus of this, and this is my interpretation. I'm not the world's leading expert. I'm just a student. The main interpretation that helps me figure it out and make it work for me, and remember the goal of the course is peace of mind. That's the only goal of this course. And there's no timeline to learn the course. There's no time frame. The main point of the course is to realize that you have two minds. One mind is your worldly mind where everything you do and see is so, so very important. It's the reality. The physical world is real. Uh, Anything that isn't seen, touched, smelled, or heard doesn't exist. That's the mind you normally are spending your time in. And the course calls that mind the ego. But you have the other mind, which is where when you step back and quiet your mind and observe your own thoughts, there's other words for it in modern-day parlance. There is mindfulness. Eckhart Tolle likes to say, I don't like the word mindfulness because we don't want the mind full. We want to be emptying the mind. So his way of doing this is emptying the mind. So he doesn't like the word mindfulness. But all it means is that you step back and you get out of that, get out of the mind that's running your day and just sit back and observe your thoughts whenever you get a chance to do that. That's what this course is all about. So when I get to this section four called The Truth Behind Illusions, it's it talks about idols. And idols in the course and sort of in the in our in our quote real world. Idols are just things that we worship. Idols could be uh, movie stars. Idols could be good food. Idols could be large houses. Idols could be fast cars. An idol, according to the Course, is just anything of this world that sort of takes the place of what you worship. It is what you worship in, in the ego mind. So I'm just going to preface this uh, section for the truth behind illusions with one paragraph right prior to it. And this is in chapter 30, the new beginning. Where would the thought God holds of you exist, but where you are? Is your reality a thing apart from you and in a world which your reality knows nothing of? Outside you, there is no eternal sky, no changeless star, and no reality. The mind of heaven's son in heaven is, for there the mind of father and of son joined in creation, which can have no end. You have not two realities but one, nor can you be aware of more than one. An idol or the thought God holds of you is your reality. Forget not then that idols must be kept hidden, must keep hidden what you are, not from the mind of God but from your own. The star shines still, The sky has never changed. 
but you, the Holy Son of God himself, are unaware of your reality. Section 4, The Truth Behind Illusions You will attack what does not satisfy, and thus you will not see you made it up. You always fight illusions, for the truth behind them is so lovely and so still in loving gentleness, were you aware of it, you would forget defensiveness entirely and rush to its embrace. The truth could never be attacked, and this you knew when you made idols. They were made that this might be forgotten. You attack but false ideas and never truthful ones. All idols are the false ideas you made to fill the gap you think arose between yourself and what is true, and you attack them for the things you think they represent. What lies beyond them cannot be attacked. The wearying, dissatisfying gods you made are blown-up children's toys. A child is frightened when a wooden head springs up as a closed box is opened suddenly, or when a soft and silent woolly bear begins to squeak as he takes hold of it. The rules he made for boxes and for bears have failed him and have broken his control of what surrounds him, and he is afraid because he thought the rules protected him. Now must he learn the boxes and the bears did not deceive him, broke no rules, nor mean his world is made chaotic and unsafe. He was mistaken. He misunderstood what made him safe and thought that it had left. The gap that is not there is filled with toys in countless forms, and each one seems to break the rules you set for it. It never was the thing you thought. It must appear to break your rules for safety since the rules were wrong, but you are not endangered. You can laugh at popping heads and squeaking toys as does the child who learns they are no threat to him. Yet while he likes to play with them, he still perceives them as obeying rules he made for his enjoyment. So there still are rules that they can seem to break and frighten him. Yet is he at the mercy of his toys, and can they represent a threat to him? Now you have to, I'm uh, a little aside here, you have to realize what this paragraphs have been saying. This is saying that all idols, everything you have, is like the toy that the child at first is afraid of, but then realizes that it cannot threaten him. So I'm going to continue. Reality observes the laws of God and not the rules you set. It is his laws that guarantee your safety. All illusions that you believe about yourself obey no laws. They seem to dance a little while according to the rules you set for them, but then they fail and cannot rise again. They are but toys, my child, so do not grieve for them. Their dancing never brought you joy, but neither were they things to frighten you nor make you safe if they obeyed your rules. They must be neither cherished nor attacked, but merely looked upon as children's toys without a single meaning of their own. See one in them, and you will see them all. See none in them, and they will touch you not. Appearances deceive because they are appearances and not reality. Dwell not on them in any form. They but obscure reality, and they bring fear because they hide the truth. Do not attack what you have made to let you be deceived, for thus you prove that you have been deceived. Attack has power to make illusions real, yet what it makes is nothing. Who could be made fearful by a power that can have no real effects at all? What could it be but an illusion making things appear like to itself? Look calmly at its toys and understand that they are idols which but dance to vain desires. Give them not your worship, for they are not there. Yet this is equally forgotten in attack. God's Son needs no defense against his dreams. His idols do not threaten him at all. His one mistake is that he thinks them real. What can the power of illusions do? Appearances can but deceive the mind that wants to be deceived and you can make a simple choice that will forever place you far beyond deception. You need not concern yourself with how this will be done, for this you cannot understand. But you will understand that mighty changes have been quickly brought about when you decide one very simple thing. You do not want whatever you believe an idol gives. 
For thus the Son of God declares that he is free of idols, and thus is he free. Salvation is a paradox indeed. What could it be except a happy dream? It asks you but that you forgive all things that no one ever did, to overlook what is not there, and not to look upon the unreal as reality. You are but asked to let your will be done and seek no longer for the things you do not want. And you are asked to let yourself be free of all the dreams of what you never were and seek no more to substitute the strength of idle wishes for the will of God. Here does the dream of separation start to fade and disappear. For here the gap that is not there begins to be perceived without the toys of terror that you made. No more than this is asked. Be glad indeed salvation asks so little, not so much. It asks for nothing in reality. And even in illusions it but asks forgiveness be the substitute for fear. Such is the only rule for happy dreams. The gap is emptied of the toys of fear and then its unreality is plain. Dreams are for nothing and the Son of God can have no need of them. They offer him no single thing that he could ever want. He is delivered from illusions by his will and but restored to what he is. What could God's plan for his salvation be except a means to give him to himself? Well, that was an interesting section, and I would just like to make a few comments about that because that that little section pretty much sums up the way the Course is able to that's how you achieve peace of mind. You will never achieve peace of mind dealing with the problems that pop up, like the toy that he talks about that sounds like a jack-in-the-box. You'll never achieve peace of mind by trying to solve all the world's problems. Even if you solve your local problems, like, oh, whatever that might be, uh, you've got a toothache and you have to call the dentist. I don't know. I'm just thinking of things here. Your car's getting old and it needs new brakes. I just had an Uber ride today and the Uber driver was talking about how his brakes are starting to make a little noise and he'll have to get them fixed. Think about it. You've got problems on every level. And even if you think you solved the four or five problems that you ran across today or the ones that popped up for you today, you've got four or five more that are going to pop up tomorrow then you can look at a bigger level. Okay, now you've solved your little local problems for the day, but not only do you have your own problems coming tomorrow, but you've got family members with their own problems. You've got a community with its own problems, like the campfire that we talked about earlier. You've got the problem of inflation in the economy where your dollar only buys about 3% of what it bought 100 years ago, like we talked about earlier. You've got the problem of the Motel 6 that costs $65 instead of $6. You've got the problem of Fukushima radiation spilling into the Pacific Ocean. We've got the problem of the Earth itself could have a meteor hit it. We have the, then we even have the problem of eventually the sun will be a giant star and will engulf the earth anyway. What I'm trying to say is think about the levels of problems. You will never solve the world's problems. The secret to the course is summed up in that section I just read. Instead of trying to attack things, be afraid of things, uh, attacking is really the worst thing you can do. The way to do it is forgiveness. That's why the whole thing about Jesus talking about forgiving on the level of the world, it doesn't make sense. Some guy comes up and does something really mean to you or hurts someone you know or does something really bad. Well, on the level of the world, it's very hard to forgive. But in the course, you're forgiving by stepping back to the other level and realizing that nobody nobody meant anything they did they're not even aware of what they're doing. And that's where that's where in the Bible where it says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. It doesn't mean forgive them because they broke a law that they should have known better not to break. What they mean is they don't even know where they're really at. And that's where the Course tells us 
we really are not here, but we're going through this whole thing and we need to forgive instead of attack. That's sort of the bottom line. The hardest part of doing this course or learning the course or trying to practice the course, the hardest part is just remembering to do it, remembering during the day. And that's why the course has 365 lessons and you're supposed to do them a couple times a day just to remind yourself of these basic issues that the course brings up. I enjoy the course. The goal is peace of mind. I can't think of anything better than having peace of mind. And I hope that helps you a little bit too. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm looking forward to the next time I can be here on Business Buzz. Enjoy the rest of your day. I will talk with you soon and keep your money safe. KKXX. Paris.